welcome back everybody we're here for episode two of the peculiar brothers podcast i am jake joining me again tonight are my brothers cooper and chance say hi guys hey everyone hello and we are ready to dive into episode two before we transition over to cooper who will be leading this episode again i just wanted to say thanks to everyone that has listened in the response and the listenership has been way way bigger than what i had ever expected and we really do want to do a good show for you guys and like we had said for those that maybe didn't listen to episode one or are just tuning in the reason we decided to come together and make a podcast is to leave somewhat of an oral history for our kids and grandkids and posterity so they can know some of the experiences that we had which we feel are a little bit peculiar having gone from being raised in a very small town on a cattle ranch to where we are today and that's the purpose of this podcast we are going to do a recommendation slash ask the brothers slash send us your requests we've got an email dedicated to that it is jake at peculiarbrothers.com so any feedback is welcome feedback if you have questions or requests if it goes along with the theme of one of our episodes or something that we feel is appropriate we'll go ahead and give you a shout out on the show uh some of it we might do more in passing but Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. So I'll go ahead and kick it over to Cooper, who is going to take us through today's episode. It's all yours, Coop. All right. Thanks, Jake. And just to echo what he said, thanks for everybody that has listened in. We hope we have make this a positive experience, something that's fun to listen to, something that brings back memories, something that you really enjoy. As we noted in episode one, each episode is going to have different sections. First section, awesome experiences. Today we're going to talk about our first jobs outside the ranch, all of which were certainly learning experiences for all three of us. Next we're going to talk about high honors. This week we're going to talk about each of our favorite action-adventure movies, our favorite cartoons, our favorite comedies. Finally, I really recommend this week, this is where we persuade you, the listener, to try something new. Jake is going to talk about why you should learn a new language. I'm going to talk about why you should grow a garden. Chance is going to talk about why you should learn how to jumpstart your car. Finally, and I need to jump in here real quick, Coop, because mm-hmm. so many people ask me about this, why we haven't explained what it was like growing up on the ranch and what it was like growing up in the small town. And we, we will get to that. I, I think that people will be able to sort of organically get a feel for that as we interweave aspects of that into the different stories and experiences we share. But I just wanted to let everyone know you are heard. We will, we will incorporate that as we, as we go along. That was one of, if not the most requested things I heard feedback wise from folks that had spoken to me. And we'll definitely end up sharing experiences and that, is a big purpose of this podcast, but also a big purpose of the podcast is to share things we enjoy. And I think a lot of you will get some new ideas from that as well. So let's move in. Um, and now before we move on, we're going to end each episode with this weird week, our weekly update as brothers. So starting out, um, awesome experience. We're going to talk about each of our first jobs outside the ranch, but I wanted to touch on our first jobs 
um, all of us grew up working on the family ranch. I wanted to ask Jake and Chance, what did you like about working on the ranch? What did you not like about it? Were there any funny moments or any close calls or favorite chores or least favorite chores? Oh, geez. Chance, maybe. I can jump right out the gate and tell you my least favorite activity growing up was fixing fence. (laughs) I know we all did it at some point in different capacities, and it was definitely one of the things that I, I hated the most. It was just, it was always for me. On Saturdays, when the friends were off playing and doing other stuff, Dad. I was going to say, is that, is that what it was? Just taking it away yep. from Dad, t- or taking your time? Yep. Dad didn't have work, so that meant we were up on the hill fixing fence, and and I was missing the the Saturday enjoyment, if you will. I will say I came to appreciate that, and actually, that's one of the few skills I learned that I've been able to directly apply to my current work. I I built a fence for my boss and that was basically just completely off memory from what I'd learned as a kid. So it did come full circle and I was very grateful for it and I was very proud of it. But yeah, for me, fixing fence took the cake on that one. I, I absolutely despised it. I think in terms of what I liked about working on the ranch, uh, it was the animals, you know, it was cool to be around cows i didn't realize till later on in life that if i had a window open with a cool breeze and there were cows outside the window just kind of making their sounds that was the ultimate calming effect the ultimate way for me to get to sleep is just Mm. those sounds outside and then always having horses available to ride just enjoy to go hunting with to go ride trails with on the forest Uh, there were I've realized now that that's a pretty big deal to, at any given time, be able to pick from five or six different horses. Uh, Not many people have that opportunity. So definitely the animals, the cows, the dogs, the horses, being around that and being able to enjoy that was a big, well, it is the purpose of having a ranch. So, Mm -hmm. You guys are, man. And this could, this could also speak to the different experiences we had each being you know, my experience is the oldest Cooper's is the middle chances as the youngest at the time, there was not a single thing I enjoyed about growing up on a farm. Now, after the fact, I, I looking back, I look at all of it with fondness. I mean, I wish I could go back to many, many things. The I mean, it was pretty neat having learned how to drive a stick shift before any of my friends were driving anything at all it was pretty cool to be able to hop on the three-wheeler and you know head over to a town uh, 10 minutes away and have the have the ability to do that the confidence and not necessarily and yes i did say three-wheeler we we didn't have a four-wheeler those were for those were for the fancy people the four-wheelers this was long before side-by-sides had entered the scene in any real capacity um so yeah, that there was a sense of kind of freedom that came along with that, of being able to drive the farm equipment or even, you know, the truck or what have you. So that was something that I, looking back now, I could say at the time I did enjoy, but everything, fixing fence chance, I agree, hated it. Moving sprinkler pipe, hated it. Getting up early and getting all wet and cold and, and whatnot. Hauling hay was hot and sweaty and itchy and... Um, hay fever. 
hay fever yet, which luckily I didn't have really hit me until much, much later. In fact, I had probably already graduated high school before I started experiencing any, any real degree of hay fever. Um, but there were some advantages, you know, we had access to the ranch so we could go. And if we wanted to go, you know, shoot targets, shoot clay pigeons, paintballing. I'm sure we'll talk about that at length in one of the episodes we we really enjoyed. So there were definitely advantages. Now, in hindsight, it was truly a remarkable upbringing that I would not exchange for any other upbringing I can even conceive of. It was it was so amazing to learn the skills that we did, to have the example that we did in our dad, seeing him work and really every single day getting up, you know, putting his shoulder to the wheel, never once complaining. I don't know if either of you ever heard dad complain about working itself. I mean, I heard him complain about things, but it was never about the work or the providing or, or whatnot. And that to me is a very strong example to this day. Um, but yeah, in the moment, I can't say that I enjoyed any of it except unless you driving the three wheeler. Yeah. Unless you count swearing at cows complaining and that's mm. about the most I can think of, but I was going to also chime in just that access to that property, the hundreds of acres, just being able to explore, be outside, be in a controlled environment, but also a wild environment in a way was, uh, summers were huge portions of our summers were entirely outside doing whatever the heck we wanted to do. Mm. Very true. Around the chores, mm -hmm. I, I will add. Still a little, still a little jaded. That yeah. Our entire summer, every year, upbringing. Well, the the, the upbringing. The hard thing for me ball. was the overlap of football season and moving sprinkler pipe. When mm. if you're doing a morning football practice for two a days or training camp mm -hmm. in August, well, that still overlaps with the need to move sprinkler pipe to irrigate the field. So. That's just an earlier wake up moving sprinkler pipe for an hour or two before you ever go to your two a day football practice and then maybe doing it again in the evening after practice. Mm. Yep. This is kind of, I don't want to come off as too much of a negative Nancy here, but there, there was really a lot that I enjoyed about it. It's pretty much been covered by both of you now, but I, I think we could debate for a while who who made the most use of the actual ground as far as having access to it, but between the three of us. But my favorite thing, I mean, paintballing is up there, definitely, and we'll, we're not going to talk anymore about that. That has to be in a future episode. But for me, it was actually just getting on the four-wheeler, the three-wheeler, whatever we had at the time, and... I mean, I'm younger, so it was really mainly the four the four wheeler for me. Mm. But I was going to ask, Chance, when you think about it, do you does your mind go to a three wheeler or a four wheeler? Because for me, it, it is it is absolutely my, three wheeler. My my biggest memory of the three wheeler is it being broken down and sitting underneath <laughs> the the old the old shed where the baler sat. Like I I really never had. I don't have really any memories of driving the four wheeler, but the three -wheeler. or the three wheeler. Sorry, but. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I, I know out of all of us, I would be willing to bet I took more just hop on the four-wheeler, drive up to the farm, drive up the road, do a couple laps on the bench just for the sake of getting out of the house and driving. Yeah. I I can't tell you guys because you two were basically already gone, um, but through through any of the, the high school sport or school stresses, whatever, 
that was like my go-to just get on the four-wheeler and and go for a ride and that hmm. just having that access was was amazing and and not having it anymore is kind of having the opposite effect because i find whenever i get a chance to like hop on a four-wheeler or or a bike or whatever to just go on a little ride i i do but it's not up at the farm yeah. anymore and that's always kind of a memory that you're that you're chasing so here's my question for you jake how many times did you get shoot let's hear it how many times did you get thrown off or roll the three-wheeler without telling mom or dad oh boy um because my number is three let me think i was gonna say there's one there's one that does stick to mind and i don't remember the i don't remember the fallout from it but there was a time when dad asked me to go up and, and change a canvas up on the bench which that is, you know, our property was located on a bench of land that sat higher than the surrounding sort of river bottom areas. And those were where all of the big hay fields were. Down below the bench was where the, the barns, the corrals and everything else were, were located. So hopped on the three-wheeler. At the time, I was Batman. And so I wore my <laughs> Batman cape everywhere I went. Got up to the top of the, the bench got off to open the green gate, as you guys, I'm sure, remember all too well. Unbeknownst to me, when I jumped off the three-wheeler, my cape, instead of being perfectly behind me, had slid off to one side. And as I got back on the three-wheeler and just gunned it, as you do when you have a three-wheeler, I made it about 15 or 20 feet, and then all of a sudden, the world turned upside down. Everything was what is going on? I found myself sitting up on the, in the dirt and there the three-wheeler was maybe 10 feet in front of me rolled over on its side and my knee was hurting. And so I looked down and my knees bleeding and I am like just dazed. I was, what in the world happened? Well, I eventually pieced it together that as the cape had slid off to one side, once I started driving, it caught on the tire, the left tire of the three-wheeler, and it just ripped me off and, <laughs> and just pulled me under the three-wheeler. And there was one little piece of the um oh, what do they what do they call that on the on the bottom of the of the ATV, the um that protective layer that keeps the motor safe. It was like a, a thin layer oh, of like sheet a, metal like or a something. skid plate. Yes, the skid plate. Yep, mm -hmm. yep. Had uh, had been bent down somehow from running something over, and it was just big enough to cut a nice hole in my knee. And so I, and and as luck would have it, at that exact moment, it started to rain. I mean, this is like out of some comedy that you, I don't know. Anyway, so I don't remember if I even made it up to the canvas. I just remember driving home in the rain, just totally upset, and I don't remember what happened from there. I don't know if mom and dad found out about it or if I just went and was afraid of getting in trouble for doing something dumb. And so I don't know if I even, I can't remember, but that's the only one that really comes to mind where uh, it, it could have been much worse than it was that involved rolling the three-wheeler, which of course, for, for those who don't know, at some point, um, you know, three-wheelers became no longer manufactured for a number of reasons, but I know one of them, there was a lot of pressure on manufacturers not to just because of how dangerous they were. But I don't know. What about you guys? Did you have any experience? I mean, Coop, you said you had three chance. How was your how was your luck with well, I guess the four wheeler. Did you ever have any close calls with it? Um, only one. I actually so it was a Polaris Sportsman five hundred. 
Now, I don't know a whole lot about the comparison of engines between the the three wheeler that we had in this in this Sportsman's 500, but I would be well. The three wheeler, the three wheeler was either a 135 or a 185. I don't recall. So much smaller. Okay, so yeah, like much much bigger. But we were driving to the meadow. That's it's our property, but it's not on the actual farm proper. Um, it, it's it's a couple miles away. And I was going out to help with something. I don't even remember what, but I do remember at some point the four wheeler wouldn't go in, in like high gear or low gear. It would not drive forward anymore, hmm. but I, I got it to go into reverse. <laughs> oh no. So I was like, okay, this is, I, you know, <laughs> so I slapped it in reverse and I would have been fine if I would have kept it to like five, maybe 10 miles an hour. But I just, I just gave it everything it was worth, oh, and so chance. I was going, I was going full speed on the Sportman <laughs> 500 in reverse on a dirt road. And needless to say, one and and I, you know, I'm young. I don't understand the difference between in this case now. So if you can imagine, the the wheels that that you steer with normally when you're driving forward are on the front. Mm-hmm. Well, because I'm driving backwards now, the wheels that steer you are on the back of like the motor unit. And so I hit a pot, uh, like a, a little pothole and I overcorrected bad and I dumped that four wheeler on its side and I went under it. And oh. I, I remember it's, it's the only time in my life where I was so unsure and scared of what had just happened. I just stood up on the road and started like screaming, not, not just crying. I was crying, like <laughs> screaming and crying and help me like what happened. And so Eventually, I, I think my dad came down. I think they were on horses. I don't remember the rest of it very well at all. Sorry, but I just remember, man, that that was dumb, and that I mean that taught me really quickly because I didn't make. I mean, I slammed. I didn't make it probably a hundred yards before I had done that <laughs> thing, and, and I had, I had, I had gravel burns on my arms and and all over and. Yeah, it was not fun. And of course, I, I hurt the machine even more than it already was. So I got in trouble to boot. And yeah, it was. Yeah, but that I mean, other than that, that's the only that's the only real, I think, oopsie I'd ever had with an ATV of any kind. But I had it young enough. I think that's probably why I didn't have any more. Oh, it's because it, it definitely scared me straight. Yeah, for sure. One thing that did happen, we were feeding cows in the field one time. And I was in first grade and I thought, you know, it should be my job to walk behind the truck with my little snow shovel and just shovel snow. And this mama cow really, really did not like me doing that. Hmm. And so the next thing I knew, like I turned to face her as she bowled me over and I just remember like the full weight of that big cow's head from like my face down to like my thighs pressing me into the snow and dad saw it pretty quickly so he got up and chased the cow out but i don't know if it was the cow's forehead or the shovel i was carrying but something smacked me under the eye and i still have a scar from it um as i've gotten bigger this scar is proportionally smaller but going to school the next week i had a massive scar and i have thought about wow if you know what if that cow had instead of 
five seconds to pin me to the ground, what would she have done if she had as long as she wanted in terms Yikes. of either grinding me into the ground with her head or stomping on me? But so that was the definitely the close call that I think about the most. What could have gone different? Uh, learned a lot working on the ranch, and I'm sure more stories will come up. Even this conversation's got me thinking of whole new categories that we can discuss later on. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But let's move on to awesome experiences. Our first job off the ranch, and I thought Jake had a pretty cool job. This was working at a family lumber mill. Uh, little research into this. Depending on the resource you look at, around a million people in the U.S. are employed in the forest and logging industry or wood products industry or pulp and paper production. The forestry and logging, maybe 100 to 175,000 people. That's the smallest of kind of that bigger industry. Uh, the number of sawmills in the United States was in sharp decline through the 2000s and the 2010s. In the U.S., Oregon and Washington are the biggest producers of softwood, but the southern U.S. now has about 30 to 40 percent of softwood production. So surprisingly to me, a ton of wood production happens in the southern United States. But Jake, this was a family lumber mill. Tell us about it. Yeah, it was uh, quite an experience. So I got this job by talking to a neighbor of ours growing up. I had mentioned wanting to get a job so that I could have a bit of expendable income going through high school. I started working there when I was still 15. So for the first bit, I would have to you know, get a right to school and then walk from the school over to the mill, which I didn't, I should have Googled mapped it, but it, it was a couple of miles mm-hmm. and then would get a ride home from said neighbor after the shift was, was done every day. And, you know, it was a, a couple of motivations for this one. You know, our parents always taught us to work that you were to be industrious to, to work. But the other side of it was, Literally, I mean, I didn't, I don't know about you guys, but I never had an allowance growing up. If I wanted money to spend on things, I had to go and earn it myself. And so that was really the big motivation behind this because going on, you know, different trips for school or, you know, dating or whatever the case may be. I, if I wanted to be able to do that, mom and dad weren't, weren't uh, giving me any cash. So that was yeah, where if this it came wasn't, from. If it... If it wasn't a gift for a holiday or school shopping to get ready for the school year, it was on us. I mean, that's mm-hmm. how I functioned. Yep. Yep. Um, I think the only thing I remember is I think I got help when it came to like sports trips. Mm-hmm. I remember having like maybe five or a $10 bill. Like if we were on a really far away game, I had a little bit, but other than that, yeah, I, for anything that was strictly for fun, we all had jobs. We all, we worked and, and, and made our own money to do that kind of stuff. And this was one where, you know, the pay for the time wasn't terrible, but I didn't have a lot of hours. So it wasn't like I was getting rich off of it. But from what I could tell, trying to pull some historical records here, this, this lumber mill, and I, it's, it was a lumber mill in that it did everything from the harvesting from the mountain down to coming in and throwing it into the lumber pond, going up through the entire system, going from the big, I'll I'll have to, I don't know the the names of all of these things. It's been so long, but from basically taking a tree from the mountain, 
down to the mill, putting it through the entire system of all kinds of saws and blades that you'd never imagine, and then coming out as a one by four, a two by four, a two by 12, or whatever it was. I ended up stacking every type of board that I had ever heard of and many that I never had. And that's kind of where it started for me is, is working on, I think they called it the green chain where the finished boards would basically come down a conveyor chain and we would take a look at it. We would see what quality the board was marked. So they had kind of a scale from higher quality to lower quality and they would put a mark with, I don't know if it was chalk or some kind of a marker or whatnot. And then myself and my coworkers would throw it on the appropriate cart we would then go and get a giant forklift. I mean, these things were huge. And it's kind of funny, Chance, how you had said you were driving the four-wheeler backwards. I know exactly what that's like because these particular brand of forklift, Heister, I think was the name of the manufacturer, they were rear steering. So the rear wheels would turn on them. And there were a number of reasons for that. They could pivot much sharper than if the wheels were on the front. From starting there, you know, I would work out spearing the logs in the pond and dragging them into a chainsaw that was probably one and a half times my size. In fact, you know, I'll, I'll tell you one story and then we can move on. But one of the things that typically they would have one of the, the senior management guys from the family working on was the planer. So what this would do is it would take a pretty rough cut board with, you know, all kinds of splinters and, and whatnot and plane it down to a very good looking board that you could build with or make something out of. This planer was probably about the size of an F-150. It was a massive machine. And to pull the rough cut wood into it, there were a couple of rollers with spikes on them. And it would just grab the thing, suck it in. And you know whatever went in there wasn't coming back out again. Well, one time, the planer got all jammed up or gummed up or something. I'm not really sure what it, what the case was. And the the guy running it had me come over to try and help him to get some of this stuff out of there. And he had me reach down into some areas because I was smaller at the time. And so I could get into places that, you know, some of these adults couldn't. And <laughs> the great, the, a great uh, reason for having a, a young man. Around. Exactly. Yep. And so he, he has me clearing stuff, clearing stuff, clearing stuff. And I hear him yell is, is it clear? And I raise my hand up to the side and am still reaching for stuff. And I don't know if he just took no audible answer as a, yes, everything is clear and didn't look over at me or, or what, but all of the sudden, while I am grabbing a, a chunk of wood that had gotten stuck in this thing, these spiked rollers oh, no kick into gear at full speed. And I like, it was so shocking that it was just a, a reflex. So I ripped my hand back as, as hard as I can, you know, as if like a snake had, had tried to bite it. And so I turn and I'm yelling at this guy, what are you doing? I didn't give it all clear, blah, 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 blah. And his eyes are just bulging big looking at me. And I'm like, what? And I noticed that he's looking at this hand that was there down here in the, in the jaws of this giant planer. And I look over at my hand and thankfully, and I don't know what prompted me to do this this day. Normally I would wear thick leather gloves to prevent, you know, splinters and all that kind of stuff. For some reason today or that day I had worn rubber coated gloves, maybe because it was raining or something and they were more waterproof. So it was a thin fabric with a rubber coat around it. This 
the jaws of the planer had ripped my thumb, index finger, and middle finger of the glove completely off. It was it was a clean rip. It had happened so fast, it didn't even leave any strands. If I had been wearing leather gloves, there is a very good chance. I mean, who knows? I, I might not even have a hand or an elbow to, to have today. So I was really lucky in that it had just happened to that I had happened to wear these rubber gloves that day in, instead of the leather ones. Um, and so that close call and I, I mean, he didn't. And yeah, anyway, it was not a great situation. And it took me a while to, to get over not only what had happened, but what had almost happened. And I mean, there were some other run-ins, but that was, that was an experience that definitely, that definitely opened my eyes to, even if you are doing everything correctly to be safe in a given situation, a lot of it depends on the people around you as well. So life lesson listeners, you know, you could be doing everything right, but you still have to make sure everyone else is too. Did mom ever find out about that? I don't think anyone ever found out about that, except <laughs> probably my not until she cool. listens to this podcast. <laughs> oh darn it! Um, I did not even think of that. Well, sorry, mom, if I never told you. <laughs> okay, Jake. So uh, I didn't let you prep for this question. Okay. Um, you are now the chief financial officer of a oh boy mid-sized manufacturing company. Mm-hmm. anything from your job at this family lumber mill that has translated to being a CFO? That is a really good question. Or and anything about that experience that led to you being a CFO? You know, I think that maybe something that has from even then and definitely at other jobs across the way, but there was definitely a very clear divide among the bosses and those of the rest of us that were more employees. And I don't know, it just didn't lead to a super productive work environment where everyone was sort of on the same page. And I understand, you know, you're not necessarily, um, Oh, like to quote, uh, on, on the office, Ed truck, you know, why can't your, why can't your friends be your friends, your family, be your family, your workers, be your workers. I understand that that's going to be the sense, but it was, it was really pretty extreme. And so one thing would just be to kind of create a culture at work where everyone knows that the contribution they make is not only important, but also appreciated. So I would say that was something that due to its kind of lack in that situation, it's something that I always try to do my best to implement wherever I'm at current job or otherwise. Well, let's move on to chance for the awesome experience this week. Chance's first job outside of the ranch was working at a small town grocery store. I think if you kind of picture your local convenience store that doesn't sell gasoline, that similar size, uh, doing a little research on this, 15 to 20% of supermarkets in the United States are independent. So the whole rest of supermarkets in the U.S. are in large chains. And total grocery store sales in the U.S. account for around $850 billion per year. Kroger and all its subsidiaries are $137 billion of that. Albertsons is the second largest grocer at $72 billion. Any guesses, though, on the largest grocer in the U.S. outside of those Dang. two? It's bigger than Kroger, bigger than Albertsons, 
but not a standalone grocer. I mean, I don't know nationwide, but I know that Walmart has added a ton of of grocery options to their, I know originally more of like a department store retail outlet type of a thing, but I don't know. That's that's... correct. So the largest grocer in the U.S. is Walmart and groceries now drive 60% of their revenue. Wow. That's crazy. So Chance, tell us about working at a small town grocery store. How did that happen and what did you think of it? Well, how it happened, I, I don't remember. I was very young when I was working at this grocery store. And I remember I kind of took it a little bit as a point of pride because I had a, a an actual job that wasn't just working for mom and dad or, or going and uh, shoveling snow or whatever it may be. But I'm pretty sure I, I was right at or just under the age limit. So we might've fudged some things. Um, with the owner to make it so I could work there. I, I thought there was some age you had to be to handle money. So I got hired on there saying that I would not be handling money. I would be doing everything but that. And I can't tell you how many times, you know, I was in that, that store alone, just doing everything. Um, mm-hmm. So it was kind of, yeah, it, a very, very <laughs> small town. Um, I had to get a ride to and from work every, every day. I want to say I was probably, 12 maybe 13 something like that um like not even close to getting my learner's permit yet i don't think but as far as what it was like it was it was very very simple you had a set routine of of things that had to be done as far as cleaning goes you would you would unload stuff from the trucks as they as they brought groceries in you would ring people in and and take their money and that was about it i mean it was i mean this store is small if you know for everyone who's listening this is a small store it has four total aisles um (laughs) as i went back as an adult i am almost as tall as the aisles i didn't remember that as a kid so it really a tiny frozen section some some fresh meat stuff well, and, and how, how long is each of those aisles? I mean, they're not any more than like 12 or 15 yeah, feet long. Tiny. I mean, just tiny. very, very small. So as far as what I remember about it, it was fun because it was a unique experience. I, I had to do a lot of mental math because the registers were so old. They didn't do the math for you. You had to do all the math yourself um, in your head, giving people back their change. So I did appreciate that. I, I got fairly good with numbers early on because of that and just i guess the number one thing i got from it would have been interacting with people because you see any and everyone at a small town grocery store some sober many not you know Mm. you see a lot of uh, different people come in and out so it was pretty unique but it was very much an entry level minimum wage just something to get me going because i needed a little bit more money um I do remember one time though. <laughs> I don't know what it was. I I think I had one of you guys's like dinosaur cell phones and I was playing some game on it. It had some game on it. I don't even remember which one. It might have been like Snake or something. And I took it back into the freezer where the milk or the cooler where the milk was. Um and and I was stocking the milk and whatnot. And I had pulled that phone out to to check on it or something because I, I wasn't even actually using it. 
But I remember at that exact moment, as, as fate would have it, the owner who had hired me and given me this job came in the freezer and saw me on it, lost his mind. <laughs> and this is a guy, you do not want to get this man angry. So and he's thinking you're hiding in the cooler. He's thinking chatting, I'm hiding in the cooler, texting like babes. the phone. Like yeah. the, the, the phone, like, I didn't have text then or whatever. <laughs> it was just, it, I don't even know what I was doing with. I might have just been admiring that I had it. I just remember, oh, well, I just got fired. So <laughs> obviously I didn't. And, you know, I, I explained everything to him. But I, that was like the number one memory that sticks in my head is just, you know, being in that cooler and that, oh, crap. I'm in big trouble because I was just in there stocking milk, but really what if, not. Because what if what if word what if word would have gotten back to dad about that? Oh, I mean, who knows? <laughs> I mean, who knows? And and this guy probably already thought I was a troublemaker because there was another time at the same store. I was a little bit younger, I would hope, when this happened, but I didn't know you had to pay for stuff, <laughs> so oh, I just I just reached into the penny candies and took some gum and whatever and. And was so proud of it, showing it to mom in the car on the way home. And then she realized she didn't pay for it. <laughs> so we had to go back. So that's kind of the first experience with this guy. I mean, he came back and gave me a job later on. So that was great. But that's so, all. Yeah, not honestly, not too much more behind that. Just take your take your small town grocery store, make it even smaller. And that's what it was. There were generally two of us working there. And that was it. All right. So same question for you, Chance. You're now the field operations manager, and if it's not unfair to say, the right-hand man to the CEO of a mid-sized company. Anything about your experience at the grocer? Uh, you, you already mentioned working with people. You can, the yeah, answer can be I mean, no. The answer can I... be no. That's fine. This this one would be probably as close to a no as I can get because I mean this I was so young when I was working at this store I I had so many other jobs that taught me so much more than this I I cannot honestly say I've had one experience where working in my current position where I was like man I'm glad I learned that when I started work no I no I got nothing I got all right nothing. well let me tell you about my first job this was at a small town burger and ice cream restaurant that Dairy Queen type format, but locally owned and operated in the town nearby. Very close, actually, to the grocery store that Chance was working at. But uh, kind of like Chance said, I just got it to have a job that was a real job that was off the ranch and to get some spending money. It was long hours, very much minimum wage, and always surprised me how angry people could get about their lunch is impatient particular you're here ordering a burger and fries with the shake but it was like someone killed your puppy if they messed up that order um real quick coop before i forget did you did you get paid tips at that position or was it strictly hourly it was it was hourly Okay. I don't know if there was even a tip jar, but if there was, I never saw any portion of it. Okay. Yeah. So, um, but my job was taking orders, making ice cream, cleaning, and whatever they needed done in the back in terms of moving supplies around. It was definitely a one summer and done thing. I remember one time I got these sandals and it was summer and it was hot in the restaurant. 
So I'd wear shorts and sandals until my boss said, hey, we can't have any grease from the fryer come out and burn your foot. So if you're going to wear those sandals, you need to wear socks with those sandals. (laughs) Well, I need to wear socks because I'm definitely going to wear these sandals. And I was giving a guy his order one time, and this guy was like in his 30s, maybe early 40s. I give him his order, and he's just like, hey, just so you know, wearing socks with sandals, it's tacky, and it looks like crap. Only he didn't say crap. (laughs) And he like turns to walk away and turns back and then walks to me again. He's like, it's tacky, and it looks like crap. Like in my face. And turns and walks away. And this like... Wranglers and like work shirt, and I was just I was so stunned. I think I even told him like thank you, but now I'm just well, he's just like, looking I, out for you, Coop. He had yo, your he had I'm your passion like, in mind. If I could go back in time, I would just say like thank you, officer, because you're with the fashion police, right? Like it. <laughs> it was so how angry he was that this kid was wearing socks with sandals and how it was his job to tell him just how bad that was. And well, Coop, was this uh, just to kind of get an idea of who you could have been dealing with? Were you working there before or after they had finished the big sports complex expansion there nearby? Oh, uh, this was a long time before that. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah, this was when I was 14 or whatever the first how young you could be to work a food service job okay Okay. 13 whatever um for me in terms of takeaways i'm a family physician now working as a doctor nothing really directly translated but i did if you don't if you don't say if you don't say don't wear socks with sandals i'm gonna be real disappointed in you no uh, well (laughs) i don't do that at work so have you cooper have you come back to that but have you ever come back to that or did that? Oh, no, I would, I would, I would wear socks with sandals now just out of spite. Sorry. I didn't mean (laughs) to interrupt. Well, I did mean to interrupt you, but please, what did you, um, what what were your real takeaways? My only takeaway was I'm going to go to school for a very long time. So I never have to do something like this again as a job. Oh, okay. So that, that did influence some of those first jobs did influence me that way. Like I need to make myself valuable. So I never have to do something like this again. Hi. Very good. Okay. So a little more fast paced. Now we're going to move into high honors and talk more about movies and TV today. Each of us are going to talk about our favorite action or adventure or drama movie. I did a big category there. And then our favorite cartoons which Jake and Chance took that to be series. I took that to be a movie. And then each of our favorite comedies. So let's start with Chance on this. Um, Chance's high honors for adventure movie goes to The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King from 2003. Oh, boy. (laughs) If you look at IMDb, the top 250 movies ranked by the Internet Movie Database user ratings, it's number seven on that entire list. I mean, millions of ratings. And it's the first and only fantasy movie to win the Academy Award or the Oscar for the best picture, for best picture. And that year it went 11 for 11. Every subcategory, every Academy Award for which it was nominated, it won. It was only... Oh, dang. 
uh, only one of three movies in history that have done that. And like I said, the only fantasy movie to ever win the Oscar for Best Picture. So Chance, why did you say this was your favorite? Well, <laughs> I don't know if the, the, the Lord of the Rings series had ever influenced someone's childhood more than it did mine. And I could go into a really long detail of many stories, um, some of which you may want to hear. I, I'll, I'll probably save some of those, but long story short, Lord of the Rings was probably the universe that influenced me more than than anything else to date and probably ever will. I loved Lord of the Rings. I mean, everything about it. So me and my elementary school buddies would play with the action figures. We would watch the movies. We would play the video games. Um, even now as an adult, you know, I've got Lord of the Rings uh, Risk. It's a special edition version of Risk that's Lord of the Rings. I've got Lord of the Rings card game. Like, I, I love Lord of the Rings. Um, so for me, it, it's really simple. I like all three movies, but this movie just from top to bottom is just so good. I, I like to compare it a lot of times to, for those of you listeners who have watched the entire Marvel universe, I'll say up to like Avengers Endgame, you kind of have this build from, you know, Incredible Hulk, Iron Man, all the way up to Endgame, and you get this massive payoff of just all the emotion that comes with the the story that the characters have been on and everything, and they do it, but, you know, I don't know the exact number, I could look it up, but it's like, Marvel did that over like twenty something movies to get to Endgame. For me, Lord of the Rings: Return of the King gets every bit as good of a payoff, and they did it in three. And so, Return of the King is that movie. Um, it's one of the very, very few pieces of media of any form that gets me to cry every time I watch it. I don't know what it is, but it it just gets me. Um, the action's great. There's tiny little hints of comedy here and there, but not too much. It never takes you out of it. There's there's no nudity. There's no swearing. There there is, in my opinion, um, you mentioned the the other two movies, uh, Ben Hur and Titanic were the other two mm -hmm. movies um, to win those eleven Oscars. But to me, it's just there is no better film ever created, and nor will there ever be. I just it's not going to happen anymore. Um, I, I could go on for days about anything Lord of the Rings related. So absolute favorite movie. Not just an amazing movie, but lined up with your childhood informative years perfectly. So it's like that double whammy mm -hmm. for you. Yes. I mean, just to give you an idea, um, it's just too fun not to share and we may not come back to it. So I'll tell you one quick story. So I got in a lot of trouble in fifth grade. Um, almost got suspended for a little while because what what we ended up doing me and me and my buddy who will remain nameless um we had just finished watching lord of the rings the two towers i'm not sure for the what time we'd watched it but we thought it would be such a good idea if during recess that day we could get the entire fifth grade to to reenact the two towers the you know the battle of helm's deep and so we, we kind of passed the word around and, and, and we had, you know, we had, I'm hearing this for the we had Saruman's army. I did, not, we, I did not know that this happened. We, 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 we had the Urukai 
you know, they were the bad guys. They were down on the ground. And then, you know, we had the elves and the men up in the playground. And obviously, we didn't have, like, Nerf guns or anything like that. We're at school. So so we picked up rocks. Oh. We picked up sticks. Oh, no. We made, you know, the, the sticks were the, were the swords and the rocks were the arrows from the archers. And we said, three, two, one, go, come and get us. And so all the Urukai... <laughs> started running toward the Urukai for those who haven't seen this movie I I know you are going to go watch it after this but they're 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 orcs they're they're kind of like humanoids if you will but they're you know they're 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 goblins, goblins. They're, they're elves that turn evil whatever you want to call them but <laughs> so they start charging at the playground and we're throwing rocks and we're sword fighting and <laughs> and this thing just carries on and on and what I didn't see is that some people would, would react really negatively to getting hit in the head with a rock. Can't imagine. And so this actually ended up causing like three different fist fights. One of them, like both the kids got a bloody nose because <laughs> one of them is like, I know I shot you with my, no, you didn't. And, and sticks, you know, and. So wait a minute, so wait a minute. The issue, the issue broke. wasn't that they had been smacked with a stick or hit with a rock. It was that they weren't honoring. I had gotten you out. Oh exactly. my gosh. <laughs> it's that no you should have been dead already and they weren't and so they they fought it out for real to see who actually you know and so (laughs) everything you know the fights get broken up that you know the kids get taken to the nurse or whatever and obviously i didn't get hurt me and my buddies didn't get hurt we were smarter than that so (laughs) we're sitting in the next next period and we hear the pa and i've i've never seen someone or heard someone so stern since just say me and my best friend's names didn't even say our last names, just our first names. <laughs> Get to the principal's <laughs> office now. And so we went down and they, oh, they let us have it. I mean, I, I'm pretty, I, I don't know if mom or dad ever got a call. They might have, I don't know. But I just remember we were in trouble. But this, this was for me, at, this is what Lord of the Rings did to me just in fifth grade. And it, it only got better from here, trust me. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you shared that story. That's very surprisingly easy to visualize, actually. Concerningly so, Cooper. Concerningly yeah. so. Well, and what was so great about it, it wasn't just the boys. The girls, like, there were, like, seven or eight girls that came out and played, too. They thought it would be fun. So, just, <laughs> uh, it was just dumb. All right. Well, let's move on to Jake. Uh, if you call Lord of the Rings an act- an adventure movie... Jake chose an action movie. This is Mad Max Fury Road, 2015. In 2016, at the Academy Awards, it was nominated for Best Picture. It did not win Best Picture, but it ended up winning six awards that year, which were the most for the Oscars that year. And a 2021 Rolling Stone article that laid out the 50 best action movies of all time put Mad Max Fury Road at number one ahead of Die Hard at number two and John Wick at number three, which fans of John Wick and Die Hard might fight you if you dare insult those movies. So, Jake, why is Mad Max Fury Road number one for you? Well, there's a couple of reasons, one of which being, I don't know if you two ever remember this growing up, but there was a movie that we watched, and I don't know if we ever rented it or if we just caught it on TV, but I just thought it was the coolest movie. They were fighting over gas and they're like making a, 
a wall around a, an oil refinery out of buses and it's got kids throwing boomerangs that are chopping guys fingers off and i it took i never knew what it was until i grew up and i found out that it was the sequel to the original mad max called the road warrior i think it might have been mad max the the road warrior and i just thought it was the coolest movie and i remember kind of growing up with it so to speak and when i found out that there was going to be another sequel there was a sequel after road warrior that i never saw until i was i was uh, grown up um beyond thunderdome i think is what that was called but anyway fury road it it's just such a great movie and you didn't have to see any of the original movies you know post-apocalyptic check action movie check tom hardy replaced mel gibson at first i was like eh, because i i really did like mel gibson in the role tom hardy did a great job you've got some new characters some new fleshing out of this post-apocalyptic uh australian wasteland um you've got uh, just so many different systems of of civilization and how it all works you know one warlord controls the water another warlord controls the bullets another warlord controls the gasoline and they all have to make these alliances and whatnot but it never goes too far into that it just gives you little tastes of that and it leads with just the action and it's pretty much as close as you can get to a classic chase movie and I really recommend it. The very little use of CGI and the CGI that they did use was more environmental than it was anything too jarring as far as like you see all the time nowadays with people themselves being rendered digitally instead of just using the actor or a stunt double. Mm -hmm. With Mad Max Fury Road, so many practical effects and just beautiful scenery, a really simple but tried and true story you didn't get any of the kind of political message that you see in a lot of different action movies today and i think it holds up really well as well you know i've, I've watched it several times it's one that i enjoy watching if i ever just in the mood to have a fun time sitting behind a screen and yeah i you know my wife gives me a hard time if I, you know, she hears that has a very distinct intro and mm -hmm. whenever she hears that, oh, Jake, not Mad Max again. So anyway, I think it's a, it's a great film. And I had known that it had won a couple of of awards, but I wasn't sure which ones it was. And so many throwbacks. Oh, and that's the other thing, too. A lot of Easter eggs that there are throwbacks to the original. In fact, I, you know, research it out. But I believe that the actor that played the villain in the very first Mad Max played the villain a different role a different character but the villain in this mad max as well and they were all done by the same director so i'm i'm excited to see where they go with the universe from there but just a a, a really fun well thought out well put together action flick the thing about mad max fury road that i later found out how this could happen is i can sit down and for being a action movie with so much movement, so much fighting, so many moving parts, I can still sit down and watch it from beginning to end and feel like my eyes did not leave the screen for two hours. And I found out later that was a choice by the director to place all the action sequences at the center of the screen. Oh, interesting. So like other movies, you might have someone 
a key piece of action happening at the right side of the screen or at the top left of the screen. And your eyes are up there seeing what's happening up there. And they said, for this movie, that will not work. There is too much action. And so all of those key sequences, all of those key scenes, the most important part of those is happening in the middle of screen. Well, and now that you mentioned that, I, I, I hadn't known that about it, but I do know that the director paid painstaking close attention to detail in, in, in every aspect of it. And one of the reasons did you Coop, did you, when you were looking at it, see how long it took to, to produce the movie? I mean, I want to say it was like 15 or, or 17 years or something like that because yeah. he, he wanted to make sure everything was done just right, but it definitely, and chance have you, you've seen Fury Road, haven't you? Yeah. I mean, I distinctly remember you and Cooper talking about it many, many times and Jake almost got to the point of begging me to watch it. Cause I just, I didn't have that. I think this kind of maybe goes in line with what I was talking about with Lord of the Rings is just when Jake had seen the older versions, it was that very impressionable time in his life. So to have this remastered, like this remade version come back and be so, so fun for him. It really had a big effect on him because I'm kind of the odd man out here. Like I've seen it. And and I enjoyed it, but I I don't get the the same feelings from it that you guys did. But I will say I do want to watch it again, and maybe just not have the expectations I had going into it. Because coming from you, Jake, especially and Cooper to a lesser extent, like this was the end all be all movie, and and I just didn't quite get as much out of it as you guys did. But there were really cool scenes. I know there's the one with the like the guitar mm -hmm. player being strung up between the the amps on the on the vehicle and what like that. there were really some really unique and awesome scenes but yeah i think maybe to sum it up i need to watch it again and give it a better shot than i did the first time well let me tell you about my favorite so chant jake's fell into the action category mine's going to fall into the drama category and that's the godfather so the story on this, oh, interesting. yeah, I'd been working an inpatient shift, working in the hospital, a night shift. And I actually got off sooner than I thought this was in medical school. And so I went home and I didn't want to go to bed immediately and throw off my sleeping schedule. So I got on whatever streaming service and said, let's find a movie that I can watch that maybe my wife wouldn't want to watch with me. And well, here's the Godfather. I've heard people say that's a good movie. Let's give it a try. And so I watched it. And the thing I like about the Godfather, I'm kind of a sucker for seventies music and seventies films, just because they didn't have the CGI. They didn't have the computer editing. If they were going to make a great movie, they had to have the actors. They had to take painstaking care with the way they filmed it, the music, the atmosphere, because they couldn't fall back on all that other stuff. And so I'm kind of a sucker for music and movies from that era. And then The Godfather, just in terms of a riveting, high-stakes experience is an awesome movie the family interactions are very realistic like if you've got brothers and you watch the godfather you're like oh 
wow, that hits close to home. And there are scenes from that movie that because it's such a brutal film, you are on the edge of your seat because you really don't know how things are going to turn out. And things could go either way. It could work out well for the character. It could go very poorly for the character. And being like a mobster movie, you really don't know which way it's going to go. So it's just a well-paced, beautiful, intriguing, edge-of-your-seat film that just revolves around the youngest son in this family doing everything he can to stay out of the family business of being in the mob. But his family ties just keep sucking him back in. And when he does get sucked back in, you realize just how made for that role he was. And it's a scary thing. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. I, I have to admit, embarrassingly, the Godfather films, specifically the first one, have always been on my list of I've got to watch that and still have never seen it. So even that little synopsis you just gave there is 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 something I didn't know about the movie and almost makes me want to check it out even more. Mm -hmm. So it's number two when I mentioned that IMDb rankings of the 250 top rated movies. It's number two on that list. And it won the 1973 Academy Award for Best Picture and Best Actor in a Leading Role. And then if you look at the nominations that year, there's, I think, three or four supporting cast members members that were all nominated for Best Supporting Actor. So Dang. some really good acting. But enough about The Godfather. We all chose very critically acclaimed movies and it was a lot harder to find um, some background information on some of the rest of these when we start talking about comedies and cartoons. So let's switch back to Chance. And when I said cartoon, Chance chose a cartoon series, and he actually chose an anime series, Japanese cartoon. He chose Dragon Ball Z, which ran from 1989 to 1996. It was very popular. It was dubbed for broadcast in 81 different countries. IMDb, the Internet Movie Database, makes a top 250 TV shows, and it's ranked number 69 on that list. So of all TV shows, you're including anything that was serialized. Huh. So not just animated. No, not just animated, not just anime, TV shows. Um, in, oh, wow. The users of IMDb rank at number 69. And then IGN made a best anime series of all time list, and they put Dragon Ball Z at number 23. Wow. I remember this being on TV. I remember watching episodes and thinking, this is a really cool show. I never had a chance to watch it as a series. So tell me, Chance, because I, I saw some cool episodes. I just never got to watch it. Well, I think kind of as you were talking there, and what I'm, what I'm starting to realize just right now about myself I really like the the pro, the progression or the arc of characters. I guess you could say, Lord of the Rings it happens, mm -hmm. the 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 Marvel shows it happens. So for me, Dragon Ball Z was probably where that actually all started. You know, main character's name's Goku, and it's basically his journey, if you will. It, it's more or less the whole show's about him. There's a lot of supporting characters, really, really cool characters throughout it, but. It's basically his progression from being just kind of a father to being so, so, so much more than that. And the reason I like it is just because it's, it's 
action. It's intense, but it really is that progression because every episode kind of leaves you wanting the next episode to see how much further he'll get, how much stronger he'll get. Like he got beat by this guy in this episode. Well, well, he's not dead. Well, well, he'll come back or, oh, okay. He actually did die, but oh, wait, okay. They they got him back. Um, so there's, it's just, it's just the progression. It's really fun to see the, the next big baddie come along and how's Goku going to train up and defeat it and repeat and repeat and repeat until you finally get to the end and you fight the the big baddie of all the big baddies, and depending on which episode I remember, it's it's been actually quite a while since I've watched it. This was just kind of the only cartoon I really that really had any kind of an impact on me much at all. But there are certain episodes where it's like there's this big build up to this big baddie, but because of how much Goku's trained, it's just oh well that was a trivial fight. And then then there's mm-hmm. other times where the baddie looks like they're not going to be much at all. And then totally stomps Goku into the into the ground. So honestly, it, it's really just for me a series about progression. So it's really fun to watch from from start to finish. Uh, not a, I'm not huge on anime, not huge on cartoons in general, but I I absolutely enjoy Dragon Ball Z. Jake, I believe you've watched more of it than I have. Yeah, I actually had a pretty good friend of mine that might have introduced me to it. I'm not sure if he's listening, but. You'll have to reach out to me if 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 you did. You'll know who you are. Um, but I did enjoy it quite a bit. And for a lot of the same reasons that Chance had mentioned, it was pretty neat to see the progression of Goku and from being a family guy. The I also enjoyed it because it was just over the top so many times. I mean, you would have certain you know, fights against some of these big baddies that they would stretch out over like 10 (laughs) episodes of just one, all this dialogue cutting back and forth. Anyway, it was, it was a lot of fun. And I still, you know, every now and then, um, I find that the perfect reaction to someone texting me or something is me responding with, uh, video or of goku going super saiyan uh, just to express my excitement at at whatever it was we were just talking about another thing that my wife gives me a hard time about but yeah it's it's fun i I haven't seen all the episodes or all of the the different arcs within it but that's one thing and once we get to mind that is a little bit different between dragon ball z and my pick for a cartoon that i really enjoyed growing up is that progression where you have the beginning of the show and then the end of the show and everyone has progressed significantly throughout. The one that I picked was more of your classic. Each episode was kind of an isolated story. Well, we'll go to you next, Jake, since you just mentioned it. Um, You chose Batman, the animated series ran from 1992 to 1995. And Again, on that IMDb Best 250 TV series, all TV, they put it at number 23. Wow. So, incredible impact on whoever gets on IMDb and rates these things. Um, the Office, for reference, is number 26 on that list. And Seinfeld is number 39. Some big fans with Batman the Animated Series. It did win the 1993 Primetime Emmy Award for outstanding animated programs. So the critics also liked it for a couple years there. Well, yeah, I mean, it was one that I don't know exactly. I can't recall where 
I I watched it and I don't know. Do you guys remember watching it at all with me, or was this something that maybe I I not a single episode. I could not tell you one thing about. I have this some series. mental images of just Batman being incredibly square, head and shoulders. Yeah, he had that. He had that jawline. And then yep. and okay. then Joker, like the long white face Joker. Um, I don't know if it was Cartoon Network or was it Warner Brothers. Anyway, those characters stand out to me, but I think I was a little young to have the cartoon impact me at all. Sure. Well, yeah, and there are a lot of very iconic aspects to this show. I mean, the opening with the, um, is it Danny Elfman that, that wrote the theme? Um, the very iconic Batman theme with the iconic Warner Brothers logo that turns into the light. And it, it just uh, so, so well thought out and atmospheric. Many people also feel that Kevin Conroy's portrayal as Bruce Wayne and Batman, and then Mark Hamill's portrayal as the Joker. For those of you that don't know, yes, Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker, voiced the Joker, and not only in this series, but in, in several different serializations or productions of the Joker, including the the Arkham video games. I mean, there he 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 really threw himself into this role. They they call this the definitive portrayal. Um, outside of the comic books, I would probably say, but I I just really enjoyed this. It was very dark. It wasn't over the top, I think, for kids. But at the age I was watching this, there were a couple of times where I was like, "Wow, you know," they or each episode is about very real world situations that they would just then include superheroes and supervillains in. So some of the themes would be rather dark, but it always felt like you know your classic. In the end, the good guy wins. Mm-hmm. In the end, the bad guy. And you always know who the bad guy is. You always know who the, the good guy is. Um, and not to say that they're always really cut and dry. You know, there are several redemption arcs with some of the bad guys and where some of the good guys make some very questionable choices and stuff like that. But I just found it was so enjoyable to watch. And every episode was something new. Kind of as I had mentioned, there wasn't a ton of plot progression from the beginning of the show to the end there were a couple of returning characters that would sort of maybe reference stuff from the prior encounter with batman and stuff like that but nowhere to the extent of of like a dragon ball z for example and i just thought it was pretty fun to have something new and exciting and the detective aspect of it you know that was back before this was, I think, kind of the transition from Batman going from the world's greatest detective as the original inception of Batman into kind of the vigilante action hero as well. This was kind of right in that middle spot, and it made for a really enjoyable series to watch. That makes a lot of sense. I feel like they tried to bring that back a little bit in the Batman, the mm, that detective aspect of things, the most recent live action mm-hmm. movie. Right, yep. Okay, so for my cartoon, um, as I said, I didn't do a series, I did a movie. uh, And that's The Lion King from 1994. This is in all movies on IMDb. The top rated movie number 37. And it was the Oscar winner in 1994 for Best Music, Best Original Score, and Best Original Song. 
with actually multiple songs competing for that best song Oscar. The background on this is the most important thing, though. When this was released in theater, so 1994, I was, and then it stayed in theater, so I was between three and four years old. And our neighbor and good family friend wanted to go see this movie, and she's an adult, and really wanted to take us with her. So we went two to three times and saw The Lion King in theaters in 1994 to 1995. And then I never watched it again until I was about to graduate from high school in 2009. Do you, do you, do you remember the, uh, I don't even know if I've ever told you this. Do you remember the first time we saw Mm. it? What, uh, the kind of the silly thing that happened? Yeah. The, the, um, they played the intro and it closed to this black title screen that said the lion King. And I don't, I said something. You did. You in the theater in, you know, your little boy excitement, but confusion, not yelled, but all of a sudden, well, that was short. (laughs) (laughs) Thinking that the intro, you know, Simba being coronated or whatever that intro scene is, was the entire movie that we had driven (laughs) down, that we had driven almost an hour to go and watch. Yeah, Yeah, I, I do remember hearing that I said that. I don't remember saying that, but I was that little. We're going a long way back here the other exciting thing about the lion king seeing it in theaters was one time driving back from one of those shows we hit a deer (laughs) i was just about to ask you that i cold cocked this thing that it was still in the air and i could tell it was dead like it was (laughs) we smacked that thing and so we had to get out and make sure the radiator was still functioning in the truck to get us home but So from 1994, 1995 until 2009, so when I was three or four years old, until I was 18, I had never seen The Lion King again. I got my laptop that I was going to take off to college and got a DVD of The Lion King and watched it, and that was emotionally jarring because there was so much nostalgia and so many memories there that I did not know were there, and it slapped me in the face so love the lion king beautiful animation awesome music powerful story but on this one the nostalgia just cranked sky sky high yeah i i agree i've watched it many times with my kids i really enjoy this movie um couldn't agree more just from start to finish just enjoy every minute of that and there are a lot of those older Disney movies I can't say the same for watching them now mm-hmm. as an adult. But yeah, Lion King, it it holds true. Yeah. I bought, as soon as I could, bought a Blu-ray to have in my collection for forever. At one time in London, I got to see the musical, which was actually really, really good and had some additional songs. I have, I I have heard good things. Yeah. The, the Lion King musical is supposed to be really, really good. Yeah, they did it justice, and the things they added in were tasteful and like very well done. Well, speaking of doing it justice, do you have any comment on the live-action movie? So... You, you mean the CGI one? Or, yeah, the, whatever whatever they call them, where the, they, the, the they remake them with the... Version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So with regard to that and the Lion King 2 and the Lion King 2 and a half, 2 and a half, and 
something to do with Lion King Mufasa and Seth Rogen, something that's in production right now, in my mind, they do not exist. I will not see them. I will not <laughs> I... watch them. I have no interest in them. This is such a like sacred cow in my mind. This is mm. the only part of the Lion King universe I've ever done and will ever do, other than the musical. Mm. That's actually really funny that you word it that way because I'm right. I'm kind of in that exact same boat with anything regarding Lord of the mm-hmm. Rings because there's like the Ring of Rings of Power that came out on Amazon. Did not watch a single episode of it, and there's more Lord of the Rings stuff coming out. And it for me so bad. I'm like, no, the Hobbit movies ruined mm-hmm. it. So <laughs> I'm like, nope, not gonna watch yeah. any of those. Just I, so yeah, I can I can feel yeah. for you. A little there. over the top, but. Okay, so now let's move to comedies, and this is funny because there's so little in terms of awards and so little in terms of accolades for these comedies. It just made me think comedy is such a personal thing, but I love all of these picks. So we'll go back to Chance, and Chance chose Get Smart from 2008, Steve Carell and Hathaway. The only thing I could find, it was the number two box office comedy in 2008 and um it is a uh, a sequel there was an original get smart series that ran from 1965 to 1970 a tv series and it was a parody of the secret agent genre basically made because james bond and the pink panther series were so popular that mel brooks and other people said we gotta bank it we gotta we got to get in on this. And so that's where Get Smart came from. And then the 2008 movie with Steve Carell. Yeah. So the first time I watched this movie, it was funny. It was really funny. There's a lot of scenes in it. I mean, Steve Carroll is a comedic genius. There's, there's no way to say it other than that. He absolutely is. But the first time I watched it, it, it was one of the funnier movies I had seen for sure. But then, like you mentioned, Coop, I discovered this original Get Smart series, and it was, I'm pretty sure, don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure it's black and white, um, the series was. It may not be, you'll, we'll have to look at that later, but um, I watched the series through. Now, the series was not really anywhere near as funny as the movie was, but the series gave a lot of background info to the little jokes that would be put in the movies, little subtleties that would be added. So after I watched the whole series from start to finish, I went back and watched the movie again. And this second time of watching Get Smart, I have never come so close to throwing up just strictly from laughing so hard as the second time I watched this movie because all the little references I now understood, but then you had Steve Carroll and um, Anne Hathaway as the actors instead, you know, people that I was a lot more familiar with that I could, you know, <laughs> enjoy their, their humor and, and acting more. And I mean, this thing just had me busting a gut from, from start to finish. I mean, for anyone who hasn't seen it, beware, like the, the airplane scene from start to finish will just, I mean, it'll, it'll, it'll make you cry. Like, I just love this movie. And I, I've seen a lot of comedies, but um, I really had to give it to this movie because nothing has ever made me laugh this hard uh sense just so funny there are definitely scenes that had me nearly on the ground especially some of the deadpan stuff from uh, alan arkin pays his 
plays his boss and some of the deadpan comedy is just amazing. Um, so get smart. Okay. Jake, your comedy, 1995, Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Number five in the 1995 U.S. box office in terms of revenue. It was the number one comedy that year. Very important movies released that year. Apollo 13 came out. Toy Story came out. And most importantly, the first Mortal Kombat film. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, right. <laughs> it had the second biggest opening weekend that year. So people definitely went to the theaters to see Jim Carrey do his thing. And I would say probably at close to the height of his. So he had really made a huge splash coming onto the scene. I think it was a year before, maybe two years before in Dumb and Dumber. And obviously the first Ace Ventura, mm -hmm. I think probably came out sometime around then. Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls, is just a really dumb Jim Carrey comedy type of a movie. I'm a big fan of Jim Carrey, uh, especially his earlier stuff. I just feel like he, similar to how I feel currently about Steve Carell, as Chance had mentioned, Jim Carrey just had a, a type of comedy so unique and just, I don't know, it kind of blew me away. But this film, there were just so many different sequences and watching it, you know, I mean, it, what I can't remember if it was PG or PG-13, but I probably was watching this before the the ratings would have had me do it. So there were watching it as an adult. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I did not even realize that joke was in there, like all kinds of stuff. But at the same time, you know, there's not any vulgarity. There's not any nudity or anything like that. And you just got this goofy pet detective uh, that that thinks he is way smarter than he is but proves himself to be way smarter than the audience thinks he is i don't know it's just a, a really fun film not critically well received i mean the box office speaks for itself i think it ended up bringing back its budget times seven or something like that it was very successful at the box office but not very well reviewed among among critics and whatnot but to this day maybe because watching it when i was younger some of the the lines from it come back and it, it'll always just have a special place in my heart as just a fun Jim Carrey in his prime, you know, silly, a little bit of slapstick, a little bit of just nonsensical type comedy. And yeah, in fact, even just thinking about it, I'm probably gonna have to go watch it again this week. I think between the three of us, we could probably write the entire script and get every line of dialogue down for this movie from memory. And Okay, so this was one. I was thinking you guys watched this with me, but I thought that about some of the other things we've talked about. Oh, yeah. So I wasn't sure if my memory was failing oh, yeah. me. Yeah, I I went with Get Smart because the movie itself just had me audibly laughing so much. But Jim Carrey, when nature and I, if you watched it young, Jake, I mean, I oh, I watched it way younger than I was supposed to be doing, and just yeah. Uh, awesome movie. Line, awesome, awesome. Lines movie. from Great Dumb actor. and Dumber and Ace Ventura are just part of my vocabulary, and with my wife too. Yep. So, <laughs> okay, my turn. So since y'all used a series for your comedy, I used a series or for your cartoons, I used a series 
for my comedy, and I want to talk about Psych. So this ran from 2006 to 2014, did not receive many accolades. I think it was a pretty a small but dedicated audience. 2014 People's Choice Award for the Best Cable TV Comedy. But Psych is the feel-good, low-viewer effort. If I just want to put something on, have a laugh, and fall asleep, this is what we go through. This is what we go for. My wife and I have watched the entire series at least twice and then select episodes three or four times. But it's just, it's kind of a buddy comedy. It's kind of a cop show. It's kind of a detective Sherlock show. But there's also a lot of spoofing, a lot of satire. They'll do entire episodes of Psych that are satire or tributes to movies or episodes of other things. So there's a Psych episode that is Clue. And that led me to watching the movie Clue, and I loved that movie. There is a Psych episode that parodies or tributes Twin Peaks, and they pulled five or six, four or five actors from Twin Peaks into the Psych episode. Oh so, wow! And did they? So were they? Were they just the actors in like an Easter egg thing, or were the the actual characters from the show? the actors reprising their roles from Twin Peaks into this Easter egg, but with the same mannerisms and like type of person kind of. So, so like a spiritual. mm -hmm. Yeah. Just because there are so many people that love the show that just were wanted to do a cameo and be in it again, not many accolades, but it's that feel good. I know how each episode is going to go very formulaic, but still going to be fun. Have a laugh. One thing about Psych, unlike almost any other TV show I've watched, is each of the main characters, when they have their screen time, I'm excited to see them and watch them. I think they are all so funny that it's never a disappointment when the main characters are off the screen because some of the supporting actors have their own personalities that are just fun. So I thought one of you really liked Psych and one of you was indifferent, or I can't remember. Well, is this the one? I, I always get this confused with another one. Is this the one that ha- that has the uh, guy that's like FBI trained, so he pretends to be a psychic, and he's got like the friend that they like work stuff together? Or is this the one that has just the the one guy that is? Ba- it's basically all. Ba- is this the one that has the two leads, or is this the the one that had the one guy? So <clears throat> I should have explained it. So the main character, his name is Sean Spencer, and his dad is a cop, a detective, and trains him from a very, very young age to use logical deduction, inferences, paying attention to things. And he trains him so much from a young age that by the time Sean Spencer has grown up, he has almost Sherlock Holmes abilities to recognize, memorize, and deduce things. But he's a goof off. He hates working. And so... The way that he makes a living is he uses that logical deduction to help the police department, but he pretends to be psychic, and that's how he comes up and solves these crimes, is, is. being a okay, psychic. So this is the one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I've, I've, I've never seen a single episode. Oh, okay. Well. Yeah, I've watched it. I've watched it through with my wife as well, and, and we love it. It's, it's right up there, probably top three, four series all time for us. We yeah. love it. The Sean Spencer's sense of humor reminds me a lot of when jake is in a good mood okay that um what do you mean yeah i don't know how to take that just your sense of humor like 
the way you like mess with people and goof around and just watch it and you you might see what I mean. And then uh, the lead detective for the police department reminds me of one of my friends from training. Okay, does that that covers it for high honors, huh? I think so. I believe so. All right. So I really recommend talking about something that we want to convince you, the viewer, the listener, sorry, to do. Let's start with Jake on this. Jake, you really recommend learning a new language. I do. I have taken a stab at learning a couple of languages through my life. It started with Spanish in high school. So I took a, I took a couple of years of that and got to where I had a very could get around and get my point across to someone if I needed to in Spanish, never anywhere near fluency, but passable to where if it were, you know, an emergency and I found myself in a Spanish speaking country, I could probably manage. Okay. Um, But from a very young age, and I don't know if I've actually told you guys about this, but I guess relatively young, a teenager, I want to say I was about 14 or 15, I developed a very strange out-of-nowhere fascination with Germany, the German culture, the German uh, history, I mean, big World War One, World War II uh, history buff, and it just really kind of came out of nowhere. And so in high school, I did try taking a couple of online German courses and it, you know, some of it s- stayed with me a little bit. Mostly I credit just listening to a lot of German music in my teenage years when I was out sitting on a tractor, pulling a brush behind to get the fields ready for sprinkling that uh, just on repeat, I just really liked this, uh, it was a industrial rock German band that uh, I had no idea what they were saying, but I just really liked the sound of the German language. And so had an opportunity to go on a volunteer program in Southern Germany and Austria for a while coming back. I minored in German in, in college. And at the same time, because I had reached a level of fluency was able to get a position there at the university as the German tutor and substitute professor. And there's just something about learning a language that helps you see the world through a very different lens. The ability to express your thoughts using a completely different structure in of language helps you also be able to see the world from a different perspective that you otherwise literally would not have been able to do. And I've always been really grateful for that. Not to mention, it's just a lot of fun. I, I mean, you two both also speak another language and I don't know how relatable this is to you, but I think that I am also better able to understand English as a result of learning another language, which for my, in, in my case, German, you know, they, they're the same, they have the same root language. They're both Germanic languages and belong to that language family. So there are some similarities there, but the other thing too, is it's really neat to see people as they learn a language, you know, as a tutor. And when I would get the chance to substitute for whenever the professor was out of town, it was really cool to see people experience what I had experienced for themselves. And for me personally, the two biggest things I think are being able to see it through the other lens that is provided the only way it can be of viewing life through the lens of another language, but also being able to 
have a greater appreciation and understanding of my own native language. Those are two things that I think I, I highly recommend others tr give it a shot and, and try to experience that for themselves. So I'm curious. One thing I think that's, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Chance. I've talked a lot more than you. I was just going to say, it's one of those things where I don't really think anyone could have a good argument against learning another language. You know, it it's something that could benefit everyone. It's something, admittedly, I should be working on more. Like, I could probably learn Spanish again if I spent even half my commuting time listening to some sort of, of Spanish uh, learning program or whatever. But I think it's just something, I, I, yeah, anyone could do it. And it just it's just a matter of time. I think anyone could learn a, a, a language if they put the effort in. It's not something that's like God-given or, or you're born with whatever. Like, no, you, you just, you just got to do it. You just got to put in the time. So, Jake and Chance, I'm curious if you've had either of these experiences. I'm sure you've had, you have, but I speak Spanish, and there have been times that I've wanted to express a feeling or express something. And I don't know how to express it in English. The only way I can express that feeling or that sentiment is in Spanish. There's no equivalent. Has that happened to you before? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Many times. Many. And times. then the other thing that is bizarre is, uh, when I'm speaking Spanish with patients and get my brain to switch into Spanish mode, having to mentally switch myself back into English mode, or I just go on thinking in Spanish for the next little while. And that's something you're touching on there that I don't think a lot of people realize is, yes, when you're learning a language at first, there is a lot of, think of the English thing I want to say, remember what the, in my case, German words are for that, and then say the German words. So it becomes a very labor intensive process to do that. But you definitely get to a point once your fluency reaches a certain level, that it literally is like a mental switch, you will think the thoughts, the thoughts will originate in, in my case, German, instead of in English. And that in and of itself is a very, very neat experience and feeling that I would also recommend. Well, I, Cooper, really recommend planting a garden. We started this when I lived in the Midwest, where it was like a cheat code, high water tables, humidity, long planting season. And we started growing peppers and tomatoes and we've never looked. So back. it was like, the you, nice... you could just think about it and a garden would grow. The, the, the conditions were ideal is what you're saying. I mean, out there fields and fields and fields of soybeans and corn that never get watered. They just grow. So an easy place to learn how to plant a garden. But the nice thing about planting a garden is it's very scalable. If you live in an apartment and have a balcony, you can do a planter box and grow something. If you have a small yard, if you have a windowsill, if you want to build raised beds, if you want to dig a hole in the ground, anywhere you are, anywhere you live, in some way or another, you can plant a garden that works for you, even if it's a single plant. And once you taste the fruits of your labor, once you taste a homegrown pepper, or you make an entire meal with vegetables from your garden, it's incredibly satisfying and it tastes really good. There are very few drawbacks to that. And 
there's something very magical and special about planting a little seed and watching it sprout, watching it grow, and eventually uh, providing for your family with that. Well, I think so that kind I of... really recommend growing a garden. Yeah, that, I was going to say that harkens back to Chance's uh, recommend last week of harvesting an animal and processing the, the meat for yourself. And mm-hmm. I'm curious, I, you know, I've, I've been up there a couple of times, but I haven't really paid attention. What all do you guys have growing currently or, 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 or yearly? What, what are the, the vegetables that you guys do? And is it only vegetables so, or do you have some fruit and stuff as well? So this year we want to up our, we want to plant berries. Our neighbors have raspberries and in, when we lived in Indiana, we had black raspberries and and uh, regular raspberries. So this year, we want to get started on strawberries and raspberries. We always grow tomatoes. We all always grow a few different varieties of peppers, bell peppers for whatever you use pepper for, but some spicy peppers to mix in as well to some of the Mexican dishes we make. We always make pea. We always grow peas, spinach, le- um, lettuce, carrots squash zucchini corn and we haven't done great with melons but we have grown a watermelon before this year we're gonna do a lot better with melons and some other fruits as well that's awesome and having having uh eaten some of of you the fruits of you guys's labors you do good work you guys up there (laughs) it's amazing what just a salad just with your own home grade homegrown lettuce and spinach just with ranch on it. Yeah, that's really cool. Totally different. It For something so plain, it's so much better. I think for me, it's the tomatoes. Always has, always will be. Fresh, fresh garden tomatoes are just on another level. So I recommend for whatever works for you, from a single plant to a massive garden, learn how to garden. Finally, Chance. Chance, you really recommend learning how to jumpstart a car? Yeah, I I kept it really simple this week, um, mainly for you, Coop. You should really look into learning how to do this. I mean, <laughs> it's about time. But I'm married, got a wife, got kids, and we didn't realize until like this this last week that that my wife didn't really know how to jumpstart a car, like the confidence to just grab it and do it. Um, and there's a couple of different ways to do it, meaning car to car like if you've got a running car you can you can grab the jumper cables and put it on that or um on your car that's the battery's dead on or whatever but anymore what's becoming more and more popular the little jump packs and they come in a lot of different variety i actually i actually own two different types we keep one in each car um it's a really really simple skill uh just make sure your your cables are negative negative positive positive and and let it rip but the reason I chose this was, was A, it's something really simple that I think everyone, um, boy, girl, man, woman, doesn't matter. Everyone, I would say past the age of 10, probably just needs to know how to do this. Um, for me, it, it well, like we talked about a little bit last week, I work with the youth a fair bit. And it was, it was, it was astonishing to me to see how many of these between 13 and 16-year-old kids just don't have a clue about this kind of stuff. Now, once again, that could be coming from our background of, you know, 
learning to drive stick shift at eight years old or, or whatever it may be. So it's a little different for us, but I, I still think that by the time you're 12, 13 years old, you, you dang well better know how to, to jumpstart a car to, to help anyone. And, um, cause more, it, it's going to happen at some point, at some point you're going to be stranded. Someone's going to pull up to help you out. Oh, do you have jumper cables? Oh no. What's that? You just, you don't want to be that. <laughs> um, so, um, really simple skill, easy to learn nothing to it but everyone if you don't know how to do it do it learn it so you make fun of me but fun fact i had a bad spare key cut for my first car and it got jammed in the ignition and so my car was always in auxiliary power mode so if i went two days without driving it i had to jump that car <laughs> yeah. for two years of one year of high school and a year of college before I finally got mad enough. I just said, I don't care if I break my car, I'm ripping this thing out and it popped right out. But for two, three years, if I went two or three days without driving my car, I did have to jump my car. I remember that. So wait, so in, in turn, does that mean that for two, three years, you weren't able to lock your car either? Cause there's a key in the ignition. Yeah. So you had to shut both doors and lock it from the outside, and it would still let you lock it, but you could not use the power locks because oh, it physically. would detect the key in it. Gotcha. Okay. So at one point in college, I had, I think I had a replacement, like a spare key to my neighbor's Jeep so that I could jump my car anytime I needed. Oh, jeez. <laughs> That's funny. All right. So that is, I really recommend, and we'll move into our shortest and final segment this weird week. Jake, I have no context. You said Valentine's dinner. Tell me about Valentine's dinner. Yes. So this is just really quick, just a neat experience. So we have a, a neighbor here that we've just kind of befriended. She's befriended us. Uh, she, super, super neat lady, lives alone with her cat, who I think sometimes she doesn't even really like the cat company either, uh, having, having rescued it. Um, but anyway, yeah, just kind of out of the blue, she invited our whole family over to come eat dinner for Valentine's day. And she loves the kids. They love her as well. And it was just a really fun experience, but also kind of reminded me to, or reminded me about the, you know, just the, the good old neighborly, uh, way of life, you know, where, where back when I don't think it's as common anymore, where neighbors would kind of look out for each other and, and take care of each other. And if there was something that they could do to help, they would sort of do that. And so this was a, a really neat experience of having someone do that for us on our behalf. And I don't know, I just felt like it would be good sharing with, with the people out there. And I, I have a sneaking hunch. She might be listening. And so thanks for dinner. And thanks for putting up with the kids and their craziness. But something that I feel, you know, to let people know that that does still exist out there and to encourage people wherever they might be listening to try and help out your neighbor when you can and, and be there for them. And yeah, they just might be there for you sometime. It's a good reminder. I read a recent survey or study that said, most millennial homeowners don't know a single neighbor compared to other generations. You knew every neighbor and their life story. And most millennial homeowners don't know a neighbor. 
So that is a good reminder. Chance, your family went four for four on ear infections. You, your wife. Oh, oh no. <laughs> your son and your daughter all got ear infections in the last how many days? It's been a rough week. <laughs> um, it was actually, I apologized if any of the, the listeners can hear the my voice. It's It's been a struggle this week. We've all been pretty sick. Um, they initially actually thought that I might have might have gotten strep as well and and that turned out not to be true thank goodness and they're still wondering on my wife but yeah about a week ago my my boy got you know an ear infection he's complaining his ear hurts couldn't really sleep so we took him into the doctor sure enough ear infection and then um like three days later I could feel it in my ear and and in my throat and you know the ear infection obviously isn't contagious but whatever virus or, or cold or whatever we had that caused the ear infection certainly is so i went in to get checked out and while i was there like hey you might as well look at my daughter and so they they cleaned her ear out with like some little water jet thing i don't know coop you probably know what it is but they clean cleaned her ears out and <laughs> yep she's got one and and when they first looked at me it was actually um not sure what you call them coop the like when you're when you're in training mm -hmm. he, he was i don't know what you call it but one of the first doctor that saw us was there in training. He's like a student doctor or whatever. And, and he looked at mine. He's like, yeah, you might have an ear infection. I'm, you know, it, it's hard to tell. And then the actual physician came in after that and, and he looked at me, he's like, Ooh, that's a honker. <laughs> so it was funny to see the difference in there, you know, or the, the experience level, whatever. But so, yeah, we both had them and then we're like, you know, uh, we might as well go for it. So a day later, so I think, two days ago yeah my wife finally caved and went in and sure enough four for four ear infections we all had nasty we throats and it, it's just been it's been a very difficult week sickness wise i've actually never seen my wife this sick she hasn't so much as left her bed yet today so um that is what happened this week a lot of being at home and, and trying to deal with you know five and three year old that do not understand why their ears hurt they just don't mm -hmm. like it well, we appreciate you still jumping on and, and chatting with us. So my weird week, my mailbox got taken out and my neighbor's mailbox got taken out. You can see the tire tracks where whatever car did it went completely off the road, both tires off the road, took out both of our mailboxes, didn't knock on any doors. The neighbor just came out the next morning and both our mailboxes are plowed over and weird what really gets me about it is the tire tracks are the car was clearly going from south to north but south of our mailbox is a bridge the bridge has rails on it and i cannot figure out how somebody could safely go over that bridge and then in the next 20 yards be completely off the road taking out our mailbox i cannot I don't know if they were drunk, falling asleep, something went wrong with their car, but I can't imagine how someone can safely cross that bridge, but then get their car completely off the road to hit our mailboxes. Yeah, it's, I was going to say that's a pretty that's a tight now, distance. It, it, how how would that even it's how would that even happen? It's mystifying to me. I don't know if someone jerked the wheel, I don't know, but my wife's quite the hands-on person when we moved here. 
with my signing bonus, we each said, hey, let's buy something for ourselves. I bought a canvas tent, and she bought herself a miter saw. Ah. So you can make deep angled cuts. And so we went to Home Depot, bought a heavy-duty mailbox, bought a few cedar 4x4s, and we're making a mailbox that's going to be far superior to the one that we had. So it's not so much I'm mad about the mailbox getting taken out. It's I'm mystified how someone could have made it over the bridge and then take out the mailboxes and not it's a mystery. <laughs> I don't, I don't understand. A true that. mystery. Yeah. Have you considered aliens? It's possible. It's possible. Were they actual tire tracks mm-hmm. or yeah. that, that, that much is obvious, but an alien could have been driving the car. Okay. Jake. Or maybe is this just a big misdirect coop? You did it. And you're just trying <laughs> to throw everyone off the trail. Because of the, yeah. Yeah, I would feel, our our neighbor's 80, and I would feel really bad. We'd be building her own mailbox if I had done that. So, any final final thoughts, Jake Chance? Uh, As Jake said earlier, thanks everyone that has listened. Uh, We never expected anyone outside of family to have much interest in this, but we hope you find it enjoyable and, and... a positive experience. That's really what we're going for. And I would just say one thing that I had meant to mention at the beginning, we do understand these episodes are long. And that was another point of feedback that we got from a number of people. We're trying to think of a way to mitigate that a little bit. We might break them up into maybe semi-weekly where we release two episodes instead of one really long one. But we wanted to remind you that the reason we're doing this is to create sort of that oral history and and a legacy for our family and our posterity to be able to reflect on to hear some of the stories that of from our upbringing but also see what it was like for us to interact with each other and so on so there's always going to be a lot of content but we do hear you you know we're we're kind of brainstorming some ways that we can make it a little bit more manageable if you do have any questions uh, suggestions, um, you know, points of trivia, you're curious, the answers from all of us, whatever the case may be, we did get an email set up. It's jake at peculiarbrothers.com. Feel free to send them our way. We'd, we'd love to hear from you, but really a heartfelt thanks to everyone that has decided to listen to us so far. It really does mean a lot, and hopefully it does it does brighten your day, make a difference. Chance, yep. what about you? Anything? No, just thank you, everyone, and, and don't be afraid to share it. It's It's been really fun to see the different people that are listening in different areas. I, I don't have a whole lot of people to, to share it with, but everyone that I have invited to, to listen to it has done so, and, and I'm really appreciative of that, and they've given some really good feedback. So thanks thanks for making it possible because the the people listening is really the, the fun part of it. Like, yeah, we get to talk and hear these stories to one another but it's also funny to know that the x amount of people now know this intimate detail about (laughs) our lives and that could range from yeah from from how young we shouldn't have been watching movies that we did to to causing fights on the playground or whatever it's it's fun (laughs) so thank you everyone everybody have a good week